Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Today, my guest name is Caitlin. So, Kayla, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Johnny. It's great to be here. I am Caitlin. I live right outside of Greenville, South Carolina, um, with my husband of eight years, Jordan. And I have a three-year-old son, Taylor, and a six-month-old little girl, Aline. Um, I just published a book in April called What Now? Finding Renewed Life in Christ After Loss. And it's my story of a traumatic loss I experienced at age eight, um, the loss of four family, uh, six family members, four siblings, and also my parents in a car accident, um, and I can get more into that, but um, yeah, I wrote this book just to share my story of healing and how God has just completely redeemed my story and my life um, and brought me to where I am now, so I want to share it just to help others who may also be going through something difficult of their own. Yes, well, thanks for so much for being on, and I'm excited to talk about this just because you know, grief, uh, going through a traumatic event like that is something that I don't think the church always does a great job of talking about. Um, we, we might say, I'll pray for you. And then that's just kind of, then we end there. Um, and, and I think having more discussion on this is really important. So kind of just go into your story a little bit. Uh, how old were you when this happened? And yeah, just kind of walk the audience a little bit of, of, what was the precipice of the story? Yeah, yeah. So I was born into, uh, I'll give you a little context of my childhood because that is important to know mm-hmm. um, about my story first, and then I'll share um, about the loss. But I was born into a family of six kids. I was the second to youngest, and my dad was in the Christian camp field, um, worked for Young Life camps. And then um, he was working at the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina um, later on. And so my mom homeschooled all of us. We were a very tight-knit family, um, just did everything together. We had all of our meals together every night. We spent just tons and tons of time together. And um, the most important thing, um, not just what we did together, but my parents were believers and they really walked the walk. They showed us that example um, as kids. Like I remember um, really early years of my, of my childhood, um, just noticing their intentionality to lead family devotionals and read the Bible with us at night, um, pray, uh, the way they just like loved each other and um, little things like they would tell us they were sorry and ask for forgiveness when they knew they had messed up or sinned against us. And every time they disciplined us or spanked us, they would explain like how the reason why they're disciplining us and how God like disciplines us and how he loves us. And so that's like what they were modeling. And so just very intentional um, parenting and just the way they like centered their whole life was around what they believed and uh, about who God was and um, the things that were important. They really had their priorities in line. 
And so I was just so grateful to be able to witness that um, as a child and just kind of see how that played out in their um, parenting and in their marriage. So when I was eight years old, um, one of the cool things about them too was that they often had foreign exchange students or um, like refugee people into our home to live with us. So in on top of having six kids at home, they were open, just an open door to allowing any other um, people who needed a place to stay for a time being mm-hmm. just to come stay with us. And so the summer of 2000, um, we had a girl who was here from Belarus um, through a relief program. She was one of about 600 other students who were all spread across the U.S. staying with different families. Um, It was a Christian program. So while they were here getting like medical attention and help, they would get, um, they would learn about, the goal was for them to learn about the gospel and learn about Jesus. And so um, we had a girl staying with us and we found out that she had never been to the beach before. So my parents were going to take her to the beach for the first time. And so we all loaded up in the car, um, and she actually brought a friend with her as well on that trip. So there were 10 of us in the car. Um, It was my parents, six kids, and the two girls who were staying with us that summer. So we were on our way to the beach from Asheville, North Carolina, to um, the coast of South Carolina, and we were hit um, by a cargo van or cargo truck who blew a tire and lost control of the steering and happened to cross over the grassy median in between the two highways and our car was in his path. And so we, um, that accident took the lives of my parents and four of my siblings and one of the girls who was also staying with us. So, and also the driver of the truck. So myself, my older brother, Abel, and one of the other girls who was here on the relief program were the only survivors of the accident. That was in 2000. Um, So many years ago, I was eight years old at the time, and I um, was asleep when the accident happened. So I woke up in the hospital. Um, I was put into a medical-induced coma and then woke up a few days later in the hospital and heard the news of what happened. When, when you're awoken, obviously, uh, incredibly confused, I, I would imagine, uh, what, what's going through your head? Like how, how does a, how does a child process through that in that moment? Yeah. Um, initially I just didn't believe it was real. I, in that moment, I, was kind of drifted in and out of sleep, um, didn't really understand where I was. I had never been in a hospital before, you know, um, just really confused. And I really thought I was dreaming um, or having a nightmare, really. Um, And it honestly, for months after, I still thought I was just in a really long nightmare that I was going to wake up from eventually. Um, I just, I was in complete shock and just didn't believe any of it was actually true. Yeah. Uh, And then I, I would be surprised to think really adults would 
do too much better, but especially for for a child and just all all this confusion going on and and for months afterwards it said it's a, it's a bad dream it's not really real um incredibly difficult for those next few months um what what happened like um not immediately after in in the hospital but when you are able to go home like what what was the living arrangements like like how what what did life look like after that my brother and I went to live with our aunt and uncle. Um, my uncle was my mom's brother, and we moved from Asheville, North Carolina to Greenville, South Carolina. Um, so he was eight years older. He was 16 um, at the time of the accident. And we, my aunt and uncle had two daughters of their own, so we um, moved in with them, gained two new sisters and new parents. Um, so those early years... Everything in my life was complete upheaval. Um, everything that I knew, it was like my whole life before was gone. And I had to start over really with a whole new life. And so um, new family, new home, started school for the first time, uh, started going to a new church, had to make new friends. You know, even um, there were new pets in the home and new, uh, just a new lifestyle, new stores that I went shopping at new, um, just new, new different surroundings and different, um, lifestyle there. But, uh, so during those early years, um, the most important part of my story is that I accepted Christ into my heart when I was six years old, um, through the example of my parents and my older siblings had made that decision. And so it was just kind of, um, when we got to a certain age, everybody, um, at different ages, but my parents would explain what that meant and how to read the Bible and what, like what that decision was and that it was a big, big, important decision to make. So when I was six years old, um, I made that decision and immediately started reading the Bible, learning about the Bible, um, just really learning the basics of right and wrong and to apologize when I, um, you know, sinned or lied or uh, dishonored my parents, things like that when you're little. And so I began, the seed was planted at six years old. I feel like I began um, just knowing and began understanding and learning the basics of what it meant to live your life for Jesus and who God even was. And so then when the accident happened two years later, um, I really had that foundation um, that had started to grow for two years of um, faith. And it's so unbelievable when I look back because at that early age of eight, I just depended on God so much um, in those months and years to follow in a way that I can't even like explain or verbalize that well now. Um, but it was just, he was there for me and I knew he was there. And it was, although everything else had changed and nothing looked different around me, um, I knew God was the same. I knew that he hadn't changed or hadn't gone anywhere. And he wasn't, um, 
he didn't abandon me and he wasn't leaving me. And so he was really the only thing um, in my life that was constant, Mm -hmm. that never changed. And um, I'm so thankful and just amazed at how he was showed up um, in all different ways for me. Like um, when I didn't want to cry in front of other people, I knew I could cry to God and that he was there and that he would hear me and listen to me. And, you know, um, there was a few times where I almost tangibly felt like a embrace of his arms wrapped around me and that, um, just so, so comforted. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like such a childlike faith that I, didn't know that much about God. I didn't know theology or didn't have any answers, but I knew that he was real and that he was with me. And that's all I knew. And, um, just clinging to that really is what saved me and how, how I got through those early years. I I, I think that's just for one, an incredible testimony of, goodness, that is, like you said, your life is just completely upside down. Um, Kids, that kind of really taking a a backseat here for a little bit. Kids in general, like I I have young kids, um, and in general, we'll say they don't like structure. I want to stay up late, eat ice cream all day. And they'll, they'll say that, and to a degree that they want that, but they really don't. Like, after I get get done with this interview actually we're going to to go visit my my grandma and while that's great and we love it uh it's out of their routine and by that end of that weekend we're kind of ready to get back home because then we get back on that sleeping routine and there's that consistency there's that schedule um kids actually do thrive in that they they enjoy knowing what to expect and kind of like you're talking about with God, he's unchanging. Yeah, kids like that structure, even though they may complain about it, they really do need it and thrive in it. And for you, you didn't just had to have a weekend at grandma's where you stayed up late. This was completely life altering things that are incredibly difficult for an adult to experience, much less a child that's growing up. And it's not only growing up, but is dependent on these people that are that are gone, that they are they are dead and not coming back. That is some rough, rough stuff. So for you to have that faith, to know that, yeah, my life circumstances here on earth, yeah, they're changed and they're, they're never going to be the same again. But you, Lord, you are the same. You don't change. What what a what a powerful testimony for for a young child or for anybody to have that to have confidence that. Even though what's around me right now is not the same God you are. Um, I, I, I would imagine that in those years afterwards that your faith probably, like you said, saved you, but was also probably strengthened through that because of the trials you went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it definitely was. Um, I, throughout the years since then, you know, like everyone's faith journey, it's been ups and downs and times of feeling distant and closer, but I've always been able just to remember back to those days um, 
and kind of point back to his faithfulness throughout the years. Um, no matter what else I would go through or what else I might experience, he, because of the relationship that he gave me and just the ways that he showed himself there for me um, so clearly, that has carried on throughout the years so that I've always, um, whenever I have felt distant or, um, angry or, you know, new troubles, new things have come. I just remember his faithfulness in those early years. And that has just, it's been so, um, just my strength really. Yeah. And, I can just remember like he gave me such encouragement that he shares such a special place or a a special piece of him and his character with those who are hurting and grieving. Mm -hmm. And so that lesson is something that I'm just so thankful for. You know, I think, um, I've really just been recently learning a lot about how to, how grief is good and how Mm. to feel that and to let ourselves feel that and to, you know, go to those hard places and to allow it. Because I think so much of our culture, um, you know, it doesn't feel good to be sad. So we want Mm. to just be happy and do things that make us feel good and be happy and um, like, fix ourselves, you know, all the time and just go through life that way. We're just kind of masking our hurt and our pain and our grief. And so, um, but that valuable lesson that he showed me then has stuck with me all this time that, um, you know, it was through the hurt and through the grief and through going to him and crying out to him and um, getting angry and, you know, asking him like, I'm confused. What's going on, God? Like, why? Why would you take them? Why do I have to go through this? Like, just showing all the hurt and the pain and the grief and just laying it all out there. It wasn't fun and it's never fun, but I'm thankful for the closeness that I felt and just the reality of like accepting those things that that's life, you know, that that's like a part of life and I shouldn't just, um, keep it in because for so long I really did. I, I kept it in and I, to other people, but, um, to God, he was always there and always was able to show that to him. And so I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's really like, it's really helped me a lot to this day, just knowing that I can at any point share all of it with him, even if I don't sometimes have that community of support or those people physically to talk with, um, which is super important too. But um, he longs for us to go to him and he longs for us to be, he wants to be that person for us to show our grief to, and he can hold it and carry it and um, grieve with us as well. You know, what what you just brought up there, I've actually addressed with several different clients that I've worked with over the years because grief is not, there's no sugarcoating it. That, that's not fun. It's not fun to lose somebody um, or to uh, have a, some type of illness or lose a job, whatever it may be. Um, that's, that's not fun. And 
nobody feels happy going through that grieving process. It's difficult. However, when we're bringing in the faith component, especially if I just say, well, okay, I'm a Christian, so we're supposed to be joyful, right? So I I can't feel sad or or anything. I just need to be, I need to be happy all the time because I'm a Christian. So first off, yeah, we, we do need to be joyful. I think that's, that's important. But part of my response back to that is God made us, and if we believe that, that we were designed for a certain reason, he also designed us to have these emotions. And these emotions are not meant to just be, you know, ignored, act like they don't matter. Um, now, we don't necessarily want them to control us, but we do have them. And, and we need to acknowledge them because that's part of our design. And you bring out an incredibly important piece there that it's not just about throwing my anger out at everybody or taking it out on people or, or just crying for the sake of crying. But who are we going to with those emotions? Uh, God tells us to cast our anxieties on, onto him. So sometimes when I keep it all in, and this is, this is a tough thing, when I keep it all in, it may not be my intention, but I, I'm essentially communicating to God that he can't handle this. I, I, I can't let him deal with this grief that I'm dealing with. And that's not true. And I love the fact that, uh, that even at that young age, you were able to, to do that, to go to him, to not mask your feelings. Say, God, I'm, I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm sad. I don't, I don't like this, but you trusted him to, to handle that. Uh, what at any point in your journey, and I'm, I'm not, uh, expecting that you were perfect throughout throughout it all. I'm sure there were many struggles. But did you feel your faith at any point really waver or throughout it all? Did you feel like your faith kept strong throughout it? It did waver for sure. So I, those early years, um, God showed me such just kindness and not I think because I was so young, I really didn't have the, um, and just who my personality as well. I was, I really didn't, um, I wasn't like a, didn't have behavioral problems, wasn't super angry or like that kind of kid. I was very easygoing and, um, timid, quiet kind of personality. And so, um, I really, those early years, I didn't show any anger or, uh, rebellion, you know, things like that. But, um, in doing so, I really kept it in around other people. So because of my personality and my nature, um, I didn't really want to, um, ruffle any feathers or stir the pot in any way around. I hated conflict. And so, um, my coping mechanism was to just, keep the peace as much as I can and, um, and internally too, like not show that I was upset, not show that I, um, needed, not show that I was super sad or angry or anything like that, um, to other people. So I really just did whatever I had to do to make it through. And, um, I really kept it all in and, um, I was, yeah, just a peacemaker, like I said. So um, 
that looked like going through life the best I could like any other kid. So, you know, um, doing well in school, going to school. I played sports. I made friends and actually really great friends that I still have to this day, which is Mm -hmm. so amazing. But um, I just from the outside, I really lived like a nor I looked like any other kid, like a normal middle school, high school girl, went to church, involved in youth group. Um, I was appearing on the outside like nothing had ever happened, that I didn't actually go through um, such a traumatic loss. And so that um, really continued, yeah, for all of middle school and high school and most of college as well. Um, But then like grief does, um, no matter what age you are, you know, it will stay with you until you, until it has to come out. Um, and so, and it will eventually. And so for me, that was in about halfway through college and then continuing on after, um, college as well. I just came to a point where it was kind of like a crossroads. And I was like, I knew, or I realized that I could continue on the way I was doing, kind of masking it and um, acting like I was okay and just not going there, not wanting to talk about or process anything or, um, and but that was making me pretty miserable. Um, or I could face it and get real and um, get the help that I needed to go through life. And I knew that, um, that it would be really hard and I didn't want to, but it was kind of like that was the only way to move forward in life for me because I knew I couldn't stay where I was. And so that came through um, many different things around me. Um, And I would say, you know, in that period also faith-wise was uh, when I felt like furthest from God of just um, trying to do things on my own, you know, trying to just keep it all in control everything, like my future, my plans, relationships I was in. I was just trying to um, live the way I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it all came to this um, kind of crux. And I was like this, I felt just pretty miserable. And I knew that I had to, something had to change. And so um, many different things led to that point of wanting to heal. I think it was, um, the more I shared with safe people, like little by little, um, each step led me to share more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, up until that point, I hadn't talked about it with anyone very rarely for years. I just didn't want to go there. But then, you know, I would have like a five minute conversation with my college ministry director about, um, the accident and my family and how I was feeling and like his response of a safe person and a safe place empowered me Mm. to share more and share with others. And so, um, I really just had to find those people in that community, um, where I felt encouraged to talk about it. So it was hearing other people's stories of my peers, other things that other hard things that um, people had gone through and, um, you know, 
hearing their stories encouraged me to share mine as well. Um, college ministers, uh, I found a great church community with a community group, um, people that I could share with, pastors, you know, just little by little uh, mentors, women that I met, just all these people started coming into my life um, that God brought at just the right times where they would be interested and they would ask questions and they would want to know and kind of like pull it out of me. And so um, I would say the past 10 years really have just been a journey of healing um, after, you know, 20 years of, or 15 to 20 years of stuffing it in. And a part of that um, was Christian counseling, for sure. It was a huge part of my life. So I went I went when I was little, um, right after the accident, for about six sessions, I believe, and um, saw a play therapist. And um, it just wasn't long enough. You know, it wasn't what I really needed um, or to the depth that I really needed. And so I went again, um, self-admitted, I guess, uh, to counseling once more in college for the first time since I was little. And um, since then, I've seen many different counselors, and each one has been so amazing. And just another piece of the the healing journey for me where they've, you know, um, given me insight to something that I didn't see in myself before, or, you know, they've encouraged me in different places. They've taught me different things. They've pointed me towards God in different areas. And so, um, just the community and the support, the counselors, the mentors, prayer warriors, I could go on and on about just all the different, um, ways that God has given me that healing through him. I think what's neat here in your story is, again, not, not only were you a child and just your your physical body, but also in in your faith. Um, that you're you're very kind of green Christian at that point, and just had everything just turned upside down. So you you had that, and that was almost like that that lifesaver that kept you just afloat. Um, and as to be expected, I mean, there's a lot of other things that forget all of the rough things you had to go through the the trauma you endured um just being being a teenager in general has all all sorts of curves that uh kids have to go through so a little bit of that rocky season in there but that maturation there of your own faith that we know as christians like yes we do have that personal relationship with god and and to be able to trust uh that he's unchanging and and that he is there for me but he also made us to have community. Um, there, there's a reason why we have the church, that we're not supposed to do life completely on our, our own. And that seems like that was that next kind of part of your healing journey was to realize, no, like it's not just me. Like I, I can do some things to help myself, but I need to lean and trust on some other people. And that, that's hard. That's that's not easy to do, and I know you didn't just snap your fingers and uh, start to trust people. It, w- it was this process. Um, so that that's that's really neat to see that kind of that second wave there of of your healing of allowing other other people in in that journey. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love how you described that of just it being a process and, you know, it's so the process looks so different for everyone um, who's Mm -hmm. experienced not just loss, but um, any hard time, any big change or any um, feelings of aloneness, things like that of some sort. Um, But what you said reminds me of, I just listened to a podcast by, um, it's called The Place We Find Ourselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with I've, that one, I've heard of it. I haven't listened to it. Okay. Well, um, he's a Christian counselor as well. And he is, he, it's a series on grief that he was doing. And he was talking about um, just how, when we do feel alone, like, you know, we're going through something, we feel like we're the only one, we're mm-hmm. afraid to talk about it, you know, how we need, um, like, a family of people, a community of people around us who we can just be completely ourselves with and just let it all down and um, grieve and to know that it's safe and it's okay. And um, how we were created to be in community with people in that way where um, we're there for each other. And, you know, there's no judgment, there's no, um, button it all up, zip it all up, act like you're like, you know, you're fine. And you're, uh, just like, look, you know, how it look fine on the outside and everything, mm-hmm. but how we can just like be ourselves and, um, how that's good. And that's like God given, like he, God gave us the community to be able to do that. And so just him describing that, um, I think it it's just made me realize um, the importance of that in our culture today of people who feel alone and feel Mm -hmm. like they're looking around, around them in the world. Like who is there for me? Who will listen? Who will Mm -hmm. um, hear me and wrap their arms around me and validate my feelings and, you know, under seek to understand me. And um, it's really sad in our culture that that's how it is where, a lot of times, um, if it's not a, your biological family members or your family members around you who are um, those people, who else can it be? And so people are just like looking for those people. And um, sometimes it's not the church either, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think biblically that family should be the church um, to be that safe place we can go to. But um you know, we're all, we all need that. And it really grieves me to see how our culture is and how everybody's so busy and fast paced and they have their own, like own things going on, their own busyness, their own schedule, and just, um, not really giving their lives to help those who are hurting and alone and grieving and need that support and community. And so, um, you know, I think there are churches that are amazing at doing that and being that place. Um, but I'm saddened when it's not, when the churches aren't those people. Um, cause you know, if you're listening and you feel a 
alone and you've been looking for that community, those people to talk to, um, you can know that you're not alone. Um, even just hearing me share, um, I hope that 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 gives you some encouragement to know that um, you're not alone and mm. um, there are a lot of resources out there and people out there who want to be that family for you. You know, that, that leads really well into uh, something that I wanted to discuss, but part of, part of the, my goal for this podcast is to have um, some type of action, actionable steps, people that people can take. Um, and in your situation, I really see it two different ways. And I'll get to the second way in a little bit. But the first is, especially for the church, that let's say, you know, you, you haven't had anything, at least in the time being, anything so terrible that's popped out in your own personal life, but people around you are suffering in some way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's going to be very clear. Like if somebody's in your church, um, and experiences a a car wreck like your family did okay that one's pretty apparent that there's something wrong going on but other times it's not quite so apparent so for church members that maybe um are hearing this and, and maybe are convicted of oh i need to be doing more I, I i need to be looking out for people that are really hurting especially in my own church what can they do to make um a better impact or a better effort to help people that are suffering around them? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> and I, I'm not expecting a perfect answer. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Do you have any ideas? <laughs> Well, I, I think just off the, the top of my head and kind of through your experiences there is you had people that were were asking. They, they were asking questions. They, they were trying to see uh, how you were doing or, or giving you that place to share stories. They weren't just I, I get. And certainly I, I would love to hear if, um, any other perspectives on this, but they weren't they gave you some space, but they weren't just um, saying, hey, figure it all out. You know, that they were there for you. They were, they were present, um, I, I think might be a good word. Um, what, kind of thinking through in your life and the people that have helped you, um, yeah, can, can you think of some specific ways, those that helped you, why they were able to be so helpful? Yeah, I guess a few different thoughts are coming to mind. Um, one is just the environment that the church creates. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can walk into a church and feel if it's welcoming and safe and, you know, if they're showing Christ-like love, if they're preaching the Bible, um, you know, kind of gauge for if they're a solid church that is there um, to help you and to help others. And so, you know, I'm so thankful for all the churches that I've been a part of. Um, they really have things in place like um, classes, groups, things like that already in place for people who are in um, hard times. So like, for example, my church now has, um, there's a mom's group that 
moms like me with little kids can go to and they're led by older moms who have been through you know um years ahead of us and can offer like wise wisdom and things like that so um that there's a grief group so they have grief share which is a adult grief program um where you go through and it's a workbook and you're with other people who have also experienced loss and you can share your stories together and grieve together and learn from each other and then um our church also has a grief program for kids, which I serve with. Um, and it goes through a workbook as well and different activities to do with kids who have experienced loss. And we just talk about um, what that looks like from a biblical perspective. And so that has been just a huge piece of my healing as well. Um, not only like getting the help I needed, but to have that extra piece where I can volunteer through a group to help other kids just like I was um, going through something themselves. Cause when we like put ourselves out there and help other people, it's healing for us too, mm-hmm. for sure. And so that's been huge. Um, so I think it's an awesome thing when churches already have those groups in place, but it does take, um, it takes an action step on our part as well. So, you know, we, it's not easy to do. It's, you have to, it takes a lot of strength and energy to, you know, make yourself go to a group like that and to engage, especially when you're grieving, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. it's our nature just to want to isolate and stay home and not talk to anybody. And, you know, it just feels too hard and tiring. Um, But because we're made for community and we're made for um, to rely on those people around us and to not isolate ourselves. Um, the church is a great place to go to, to find those, um, those people. And just by showing up and, um, engaging with others and letting yourself be known by others, um, you know, realizing that your story is important to share. Um, you know, we can think nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. Like my story is not important, those kinds of things. But, um, when you get to a place where you value your story and that's when, you know, um, you can share with others and that those things I would say are huge because, um, little by little, just taking each of those steps of, you know, um, if you, I'm talking from the perspective of the grieving person now, Mm -hmm. not the church, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you aren't in community or aren't in church at all, I think the step would be to find a local church that you feel comfortable in and that, um, you can start to make those steps. And then if you maybe are in a church, but you don't feel like you're really being vulnerable or getting to know people, you know, a step, a further step might be find an area to serve or find a group to join where you can feel um, like you can share, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just taking little steps by little steps to find safe people who are there for you, but it does take action. You know, I think rarely somebody's just going to approach you and say, I want to get together and hear your story, you know, and be, be a mentor for you. Like we usually have to ask people if they'll meet us and to be that mentor for us. But when we do, um, 
most likely people are very willing and they want to be that person. And so I guess for the, so that's from the perspective of um, the person who feels alone Mm -hmm. in their grief. But from the church's perspective, I would say um, just being open and aware, like you were saying of looking for the person, the new person or the person who um, seems to be, you know, quiet, not sharing much or kind of in the background and, um, giving time to them and, um, you know, meeting them for coffee, giving them an hour just to share their story and their hurt and just hear them. And, um, you know, you could be such a life-changing person in someone's story just by listening to them share. That, that that part alone is incredibly important. Um, I, I can think of many times just in different clients that I've talked with that they come to these different conclusions and sit back and like, I, all I really did was listen. I, it, it didn't take that many skills. It just sat back and listened. Um, and right. it, that goes such a long way. Um, and I think that's something too. I've talked with several people on on the podcast too that have dealt with different types of of grieving issues is on the church perspective um, or if you're a friend or family member or whoever, and you know, somebody's hurting to not feel like you have to have the answer. There there was nobody that could have said, Caitlin, if you just do these 10 things, then you won't be sad anymore. No, like that, that didn't exist. And sometimes we feel this pressure to just fix it. And then we end up saying and doing things that are actually quite harmful to that person that's hurting. And and that's not the intention, but because we're trying to force an answer, that's really not there. So don't be so pressured, but be, be present and have, like you said, that listening ear that just goes such a long way. Um, because like I love what you said earlier of your story matters. Um, and I, I, when you were saying that, I, I did have a, a, a question that kind of came to my mind. Um, have you had people, like when you're sharing your story, um, that they're like, oh, well, my story is not that important. I just I just lost my dad or, or, or it was, I only lost my sister. I didn't lose everybody like you did. Have you had any of those experiences where people almost feel guilty to share their story because your story is so much worse according to them? Yes, absolutely. I have a lot of times I've had mm. that. Um, and it's really just everyone, no person's story is going to look the same. You know, everyone's Mm -hmm. loss is going to be different and their relationship with that person is different and their journey is going to look different. Um, But, you know, the reason I share is just so people don't feel alone in what they're going through. Like not to be like, this is my, you know, overwhelm people with my loss. Um, but you know, to (laughs) just for the people, like I share it for specifically for the people who may have lost one person, like may have lost a child or may have lost a spouse or a sibling or, you know, a grandparent and just for them to feel like they're not alone in their grief. Um, and 
it's really the exact same. It doesn't matter how many people you lost or didn't lose or the way you lost them, you know, but it's the feelings are the same. And so mm-hmm. that's where we can all relate and join together. Um, because grief feels like grief, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's heavy and it takes time and we need space and, um, we need, you know, somebody to listen through, somebody to walk through it with us. And so um, no matter what loss someone has had, I hope that they can relate to me. And I know I can relate to them um, mm-hmm. just in those day-to-day feelings of the reality of what grief looks like. Yeah. And, I, I and I, oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. And then I want to say, I want to hit on one more thing that you said. Yeah. So I, I was just going to say uh, I, something that I, I like to uh, to tell with, with clients that kind of have that mentality. And I love that you have been cautious and um, trying to welcome people to share their stories. As I'll, I'll tell people, hey, just because I stubbed my toe and you broke my arm, that doesn't mean that my toe doesn't hurt. Like it's, it's not a competition. Um, a grief, a loss doesn't have to be higher than the other. If it hurts, it hurts and, and just feel what you have to feel. So I, I, I'm glad that you're, um, you're really cognizant of sharing that for other people. Cause no matter what type of loss it is, it's still a loss and, and, and you need to share it. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I love that analogy. <laughs> if it hurts, it hurts. <laughs> yes. Yes. So true. Yeah, but I want to go back to one thing you were saying earlier, just about the, um, just to emphasize that point of, um, you know, there's no step by step, like what you said of just, um, nobody could have come to me and said, here's the 10 things you need to do to get through your grief and to move on. Um, And, you know, I'm so thankful that nobody did because grief for everyone is a journey that we, it's a very personal journey that we have to walk through ourselves. And so, you know, I think that is the tendency of a lot of people is to, what do I do? What do I do? I have to help them. I have to fix them. Like I help, I have to, you know, help them get better and um, tell them the exact things, but just realizing when you're helping someone or when you're going through it yourself, that you have to walk through it yourself because it's your own personal journey. And um, as the grieving person, you know, we don't want to be fixed. We don't want someone to come to us and tell us, here's what I would do if I were you, or, you know, give us Mm -hmm. these things. We just want somebody to talk to. And so I think um, that's hard to understand as both the grieving person and the person wanting to help because, you know, we want solutions and we want to fix things and make everything look nice and pretty. But just to like what I've been learning a lot recently is just this idea of befriending your grief. So walking through life, just kind of carrying it with you and it being okay. Mm -hmm. And just having it like you're carrying a purse, like just, you don't have to get rid of it completely. And you're never going to. We walk through life with our past with us. And sometimes that means we carry hurt and we carry pain. But, you know, we want to do it in a healthy way where it's not overwhelming us. But um, 
so yeah, just that idea of we shouldn't be, you know, over it two years down the road, five years down the road. We shouldn't be feeling bad if we're still feeling it or, you know, um, we shouldn't feel like I should be moved on by now, but Mm -hmm. just to honor it and let ourselves feel it when we need to feel it and let ourselves grieve when we need to grieve and share with others when you share with others. And, um, just kind of having it as a healthy friend that it's a normal emotion and a normal part of life and that we can, um, walk through life with it and for that to be okay, you know, and to show it and for that to be okay too. And so, um, that's comforting to me. Mm. And it's also comforting to know that Jesus didn't just grieve one time when he was on the cross, but that he also still grieves with us now. And, you know, he is a God full of many emotions and many feelings. And that's how he created us in his image as well, um, with all those different emotions and different feelings. And so, um, he is, close to the brokenhearted, he tells us in his word. And so um, when we grieve, he has just compassion on us and he grieves with us. And that's all through our lives, you know, um, knowing that he is right there with us, um, hearing us and grieving with us. And that brings me a lot of comfort to be able to um, kind of express that. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And that, that kind of goes back to, to what we talked about before. Yeah, God created us. He could have created us to experience zero emotions, but but he didn't. And, and we need to have that trust that we feel this way for a reason and, and to not have it dictate our lives, but to have that form of acceptance. This is here. Um, and I'm going to trust God that he's going to help me handle it. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's a really healthy way to, to look at a extremely difficult process. So I, I'm imagining there's there's going to be quite a few uh, listeners that, for one, are interested in your book, and, and for two, just kind of staying in contact with you. So for those that are listening that want the book or to, to contact you, how, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you. Um, I have a blog called abeautifulbelonging.com, a beautiful belonging, and um, everything is there information about my book, uh, contact, social media, everything like that. Um, I'm on Instagram at Caitlin Fiedler and my book is available anywhere you get books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, christianbook.com. Um, and I just recorded the audiobook for it. So that should be coming oh, awesome. out really soon too. Great. Well, I'll have all that linked down in the show notes so you all can find that and definitely check out her book and blog. And yeah, it it was so great to have you on and be able to to chat about a very difficult topic. But I, I really appreciate your willingness to share the story, not just with our audience today, but just in general of, of the power of sharing our story and really just handling grief in a healthy and biblical way. So Caitlin, thanks again so much for being on with us today. It was so great to be on. Thank you so much, Johnny. Absolutely. Well, thank you for everyone as well that are uh, listening in today. And um, I hope you all have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you on the next episode.